0: Hey, New Life students. Hope you guys are having an incredible week. Um, It is Holy Week. This is the time of the year that we take uh, and we simply remember the goodness and faithfulness of our God. So uh, before I hop into uh, a little bit of our devotion this week, I just want to remind you of a couple things that are headed your way this week. Uh, number one, again this Wednesday from 6:30 to 7 30, we will have a worship and prayer service uh, with the entire church. So Pastor Johnny again and the New Life Worship team is, is going to lead us an incredible time this Wednesday. So make sure you tune in for that. You can do that at newlifechurch.org, YouTube, or Facebook, whichever you prefer. Uh, Second thing is we got two services coming at you this week. Um, This Friday, uh, we have our Good Friday service. Pastor Daniel Grothy uh, is going to bring an incredible message for you, the family, and and, uh, our community of faith. So make sure you tune into that Friday night at 6.30. It's going to be an incredible time. And then uh, Sunday is going to be Resurrection Sunday. We will have a service that is live streamed, I believe, at 10 o'clock with Pastor Brady and the New Life Worship team um, to celebrate that our God, Jesus is risen. Okay, so make sure you tune in uh, with that uh, with us as well. And then uh, Sunday morning, we will also send you um, a family ministry specific service um, for children and students and the parents to simply engage with one another. So keep your eyes out for all of those things as we head into this week. Uh, all right, uh, last week we talked about God statements and God centered teaching um, as, as kind of one of the values that, that we do here in, in not just New New life students but new life church and new life families. Um, So this week what I want to talk to you about is the grand redemptive narrative Uh, and this is a perfect week to talk about this value, how we see the story of scripture, the story of the word as the grand, redemptive narrative of our faith. We see it as one story, uh, and this is a big deal because when, when we start to approach the Bible, a lot of people can be really intimidated when they come at this book, and there's a lot of different reasons for it. Some people feel that, they don't have the the ability to interpret it accurately. Or or what is this actually for? Or why do Christians utilize this book as, as kind of the, the book or writing of our faith? And then there are a couple things that I think we need to understand about it. Number one is, is yes, this is a collection of writings from, from about 40 different authors. And it, it's created about 66 books here uh, in the Bible that's divided into the Old Testament, into the New Testament. And, and then there are different forms of literature in this. There's, There's historical writings, and there's poetic writings, and there's prophetic writings, and and then if you're kind of even taking it from like a a Hebrew standpoint, you got like the law, and you got um, the writings, and you got kind of all of these different approaches um, that people take to this book. And then you hit the New Testament, and you got the Gospels, you got Acts, you got the Epistles, you got Revelation. And the question can be, hey, how do we engage with this? All of these different parts, do we kind of take them all individually of themselves or how are we supposed to approach it? And I think one of the things that we have to see when we approach this um, is that this is a story. It's a narrative. Uh, and so this kind of enables us to approach the Old Testament still with value as well as the New Testament. So there are simply three things that I want to talk through about the grand redemptive narrative as we kind of address this as a value. Um, I'm not going to go through the actual narrative itself today. We'll save that for a future video. But there are three things um, that I want us to be able to take away as we approach this value. Number one is that it's one author, one author to write this book. And this is what I mean by that. I know I just said that there are 40 different authors who, who, are, who are kind of part of the, the inspiration of this coming together. But behind those 40 authors writing uh, these different letters and books and poetry and literature and prophecy, we have one God who is inspiring it. We have one God who is holding it together. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says this, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture is breathed out by God. Though we have all of these different human authors responsible for writing these words, we have one God, one spirit, who has inspired this message. So when we approach the grand redemptive narrative, we have to understand that there is one author. Number two is that it is one book, one book. Now, we can approach this and we can say, okay, well, what kind of book is this? And I think sometimes we can approach uh, scripture like it's maybe like a recipe book or, or maybe even like a mathematical book, you know, A plus B equals C. So how do we kind of figure out the meaning to life? How do we kind of figure out the, the, the ways we respond to different situations? And so we kind of approach this like a give us our instructions on how to live life or, or kind of similarly, we kind of look at it like it's a rule book. And so we say, okay, what are all the do's and don'ts in life that that we need to make sure we are doing, or make sure that we are avoiding? What sin do we make sure we we, we are uh, getting anywhere close to? And so we kind of use this as a as a rule book and. And then some people kind of might use it as kind of like your, your coffee table book of inspiration. You know, every time you're kind of feeling down or low, you kind of pick up this book and it's like, let me let me find a way just to inspire myself today or, or give me that kind of one-hit social media quote that can post and, and, and make sure it kind of hits everybody in the feels. But other ways that people approach this book is kind of like it's a, it's a bunch of novels put together. And so we, we kind of uh, approach it like, you know, maybe we look at the Bible and the books in the Bible kind of like the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, where you kind of got the magician's nephew and Prince Caspian and the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And, and so that we got all of these stories, you know, that work in and of themselves that together do, uh, 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 do create a bigger story, but yet they can be understood in and of themselves. And what I want to suggest to you is that that's not the best way to look at this. The best way to look at this is one redemptive narrative, one story. And this is what I mean by that. You you cannot have the New Testament without the Old Testament. You can't have the Old Testament without the New Testament. If we were just to take the Old Testament by itself, we have a promise that's unfulfilled. Uh, and that never gets met until we get to the New Testament. And then if you read the New Testament without the Old Testament, we have an entire storyline that has not been set by its context. We don't know why we are here with Jesus as the Messiah without understanding where we came from in the Old Testament. And so a theologian kind of described it like this. He, he said, you know, there was a father who went out and bought a, a whodunit mystery murder novel, and he gave it to his son, but his daughter wanted the same novel. And and she refused to share because she didn't want to read it after her brother. And there was no other books for him to to find of the exact same copy. So what the father did is he tore it in half and he gave the front half to his son and the back half to his daughter. Both got the same story, but only parts of it. And the problem with that is the son gets the context of seeing how the crime was committed, but never gets to figure out who did it never gets to see how the the murder was solved. And the daughter gets to see how a a murder took place and and who did it, but she didn't get to see all the story that built up to it. And that's what happens when we separate the Old Testament and the New Testament. They are one story, one narrative brought together that they are meant to be understood in light of one another, not apart from one another. The final thing that I wanna say about the grand redemptive narrative is that it is one subject, one theme. And this is what I mean by that. In every great story, we have a storyline with um, ideally a protagonist, your main character. Um, And and, and someone where the the story kind of follows the life of this main character and kind of sees them go through challenges and highs and lows, uh, but ultimately get to see them overcome an antagonist. And so often when we approach Scripture, we approach it with ourselves as the subject in mind. And what I mean by that is we say, okay, what does this mean for me? What does this tell me about me? How does this shape my life? How is my life at the center of this? And I want to suggest to you today that that's not you are not the main character of this story, but God is. God is the main character of the story and the theme of this story is redemption. And here's what's good news about that. I think contrary to popular belief, sometimes we can approach this and go, that kind of stinks that we're not our own main character. That kind of that goes against the entire tidal wave of culture where life is saying everything is about you right now. But if God is the main character of this story, if this narrative is in fact about God, and, and the life we are living right now is in fact about God because this narrative is not finished yet, What that does mean for us is that we are no longer the ones responsible um, for, for defining our purpose in life. We are no longer the ones responsible for creating our own identity. We are no longer the ones responsible for ascribing our own worth and value to our lives. Why? because we're not the main character, God is. And if this story is about God, he holds the responsibility for all of those things. So it doesn't matter what purpose you give yourself, your real purpose is that which God gives you. It doesn't matter what identity you think about yourself, the identity that matters about you is that who God says you are. What doesn't matter is all the things that you can collect to give yourself value, what matters is the value and worth that God ascribes to you, why? Because this narrative is about Him. This story is about Him. And if, if you were in an English class and you were talking kind of like a plot map or how they kind of define every story, you would see that um, in, the, in the exposition or the beginning of the story, you have God creating mankind and you have mankind sinning. And this kind of sets the precedent in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 for our narrative. But then as you continue this narrative, as you continue to read the Old Testament, you see that the rising action is actually a God who promises and a God who pursues. It is not a God who has neglected his people. It's not a God who's abandoned his people. It's a God who promises his people that he's gonna make things right. And it's a God who's ever presently pursuing his people, even amidst their unfaithfulness. And then we hit the climax of the story, which is beautifully in the week that we're in right now the story of Jesus, that finally, the the one who God has promised to come and redeem his people has come. And this is kind of the moment in history where we as the people of, of, of God get to look back and say, this is what it means to be the people of God, that our God came and gave his one and only son to die for us, so that if we believe in him, we could have eternal life. And then you kinda got, uh, for lack of better words, the falling action. We have Jesus ascending into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, but he has sent us his spirit to make us alive and to be presently working in the here and now. And so this is where we abide in God's grand redemptive narrative, is is we are in the now if God's spirit is moving. Jesus is on the throne. But the resolution of this story we are still eagerly waiting for. Uh, Jesus' return to, to consummate all things. And this is kind of what it means for us to look and see this as one story. We get to see the theme of a creating God who who, who works in creation, and then we get to see the theme of the finished work of Christ, and then we get to to be the beneficiaries of living right now in the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So this is is what I want you to do this week uh, as we kind of come to the end of this, is I want you to take a moment And I want you to evaluate where are you at the center of your story? Where are you living your life to where God is not on the throne uh, and you are functioning as if your narrative is about you? And I wanna ask you, what would it look like to give that to the Lord? What would it look like for you to entrust that to Him? What would it cost you, but what would it gain you to say, you know what, my life is not about me, it's about God, especially in a time like this. Number two, is I'd like you to take a moment either in prayer or, or grab a journal, especially in a season right now. A journal is an incredible thing to have. And I would, I would like you to, to take a moment and express a form of gratitude towards the Lord. That his, his plan, his story involves the redeeming of you, me, humanity, and creation. We are to be a thankful people. And because of that, we know the bottom line. We know who gets the final word. This virus does not get the final word. Our economy crashing does not get the final word. This change in day-to-day life does not get the final word. Our God gets the final word. And that is where we place our hope. That is what it means to be the people of God, to know that at the end of the day, even though things might be falling to the left and to the right, our eyes are fixed on God, the one who holds all things. So I love you guys. It's such a gift to be able to get to do this with you every week. Take time and lean into the presence of God. Remember the faithfulness of our God during this week, Holy Week. We cannot wait to gather with you again. May you know God loves you. He's for you. He is with you in this time. Much love.